It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. So for those of us following the Delphi murders case, there's been a lot of court proceedings recently, and we're going to take the time today to talk through a few of them. We'll be getting into some charges that have been dropped in the case against Keg and Klein over online predatory behavior against children. We'll be talking about a transfer order and certain motions in the case against Richard Allen. We'll be talking about a recent change in Uh, the judge taking on the Richard Allen case. And then we'll be hearing a little bit about the reaction from some of the citizens of Delphi to some of these developments and how they're sort of feeling about the case in general right now. And I think we're also going to talk a little bit about the upcoming hearing on whether or not to unseal the probable cause affidavit in the Richard Allen case. So we got quite a few things to talk about. This is a complicated case, uh, complicated cases, and I think hopefully this episode can kind of give some people some idea about all the moving parts and what we can expect going forward. My name is Anya Kane. I'm a journalist. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. I'm an attorney. We first connected while looking into the Burger Chef murders, an Indiana cold case. Together, We built a spreadsheet documenting hundreds of cases of restaurant-related homicides. That original spreadsheet gave way to our podcast, The Murder Sheet. Now we maintain that same research-centric, investigative approach as we look into all sorts of homicides, including unsolved cases, historical crimes, and, of course, restaurant murders. We don't just chat about the headlines. Our podcast is a platform for our journalism. The Murder Sheet focuses on investigative reporting, thoughtful analysis, thorough research, and in-depth interviews. We're The Murder Sheet, and this is... The Delphi Murders. 
court proceedings. So we're recording this on the afternoon of Friday, November 4th. Uh, Yesterday got off to an interesting start because uh, bright and early, there was some paperwork filed in Kagan Klein's case. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. A number of charges, five in total, were dropped in the case of Kagan Klein, who has been accused of charges regarding child sexual abuse materials found on his devices. So those are the charges he's facing. He was originally facing 30 total charges. So that's quite a lot. Uh, This was dropped by five charges. So a lot of people found the timing of this interesting. Understandably. So Richard Allen was just arrested and charged with murder for his role in the Delphi case. And then suddenly, Kagan Klein has some charges dropped. And so people have speculated maybe there was a deal. And I think it's important to remember, just because two events happen in a similar time frame does not necessarily mean that those two events are connected. In this case, we are fairly certain that the drop charges have absolutely nothing to do with Richard Allen's case. This is not part of a plea deal. This is not part of some sort of strategy. This is something that was likely going to happen all along because of the nature of cases like the case against Keck and Klein. Didn't we, on an episode over the summer, actually predict that some of the charges would be dropped? Yes, and there's a very key reason why that could happen in a child sexual abuse materials case. What is that reason? What we've heard from experts is that basically when you have unidentified victims on some of these horrible materials and they cannot be identified, then sometimes investigators cannot determine their exact age. And if there's any uncertainty after talking with an expert or physician about whether or not the person depicted in the footage or pictures is in fact under 18, then that cannot be used in the trial because prosecutors can't go forward with that because they can't determine if it's actually child sexual abuse materials, essentially. So uh, basically, once they talk to the experts and kind of look at all of the evidence and, and if they're bringing charges around certain materials that they can't back up in court, they have to drop those because by keeping marginal charges, even if they're relatively certain that the person depicted in the materials is likely underage, if they can't prove that and they can't have an expert saying, we believe that this person is underage, then uh, they can't go forward because that could really tarnish the whole case. So 
we believe that that is likely what happened here because that's how these cases tend to go. And it probably happened at about this time because you remember that it wasn't too long ago that Kagan Klein had his last pre-trial hearing and they said it's full speed ahead for a trial. So that means they're getting everything ready for the trial. They're taking another look at the charges. They're figuring out which ones they can go forward with and which ones they can't. So this has everything to do with the process of getting ready for the trial. It doesn't have anything to do in our judgment and based on our reporting with any of the actions uh, in the Richard Allen case. And we certainly understand the impulse to connect these two things because certainly Indiana State Police publicly released the Anthony Schatz account back in December 2021, noting that they had uncovered it through the investigation into the Delphi murders. So it's been sort of publicly linked ever since. But I think it's important not to necessarily assume things regarding some of these court proceedings because there can be, I mean, I say this as a layperson, I'm just a journalist. I <laughs> There's going to be in certain cases, court uh, maneuvering and, and things that are going on behind the scenes that have nothing to do with anything other than ensuring that the case itself is strong. And and so that that's the case here. So next, why don't we talk about the case against Richard M. Allen, who, of course, has been charged with two counts of murder in the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German in Delphi. And, and this case has kind of had a flurry of court proceedings recently as well. So why don't we talk about that? Let's talk about that. It, uh, things started off with uh, what is clearly kind of a routine thing in, in a case like this. Tobe Lesenby, who is the sheriff of Carroll County, filed uh, a request with the court. He said, basically, hey, this is a high-profile case. There's all sorts of security concerns. It's probably not safe for us to have Richard Allen in our jail here. Probably not even safe to have him in the cell over at White County where he's been staying. Let's let's see if we can transfer him to a state facility that's more secure. That's pretty routine. I yeah. have I have the motion that Sheriff uh, Lesenby filed uh, in front of me. I guess actually is called a request by the Sheriff of, Can- of Carroll County to transfer inmate. Uh, it's all very straight uh, uh, and above board. But uh, what gets what starts to get a little bit more interesting is when we see how the court responded to that. And Anya is actually going to read from that now. So I will be reading excerpts from the court order by Judge Benjamin A. Diener of the Carroll County Circuit Court. On November 2nd, 2022, Tobe H. Lesenby, Sheriff of Carroll County, filed a request by the Sheriff of Carroll County to transfer inmate from Carroll County Jail to the custody of the Indiana Department of Corrections for safekeeping. The court, being duly advised, finds, all caps, that defendant is an inmate awaiting trial and is in imminent danger of serious bodily injury or death or represents a substantial threat to the safety of others. This finding is not predicated on any acts or alleged acts of the defendant since arrest, rather a toxic and harmful insistence on public information about the defendant and this case. In general, this court has 30 days to rule on any motion that is filed by a party in any case. Yet, concurrent to the actual case naturally occurring, 
this judicial officer keeps getting direct requests from non-parties for public information, claiming that this officer has seven days or one day when hand-delivered to respond to the request or face litigation, exclamation point. While this officer is responsible for the entirety of the circuit court docket, it attempts to ignore the maelstrom of interest from the public. It is known that YouTube already hosts content regarding family members of this judicial officer, including photos. The public's bloodlust for information before it exists is extremely dangerous. All public servants, all caps, administering this action do not feel safe and are not protected. The Carroll County Sheriff has limited resources to conduct its base operations, let alone any duties mandated by our Supreme Court. All defendants and all actions are presumed innocent. All public information will be available the second it exists. None of the family members of the public servants are part of this action. All of the public servants are simply people doing their jobs. Most of the public servants are woefully underpaid. Most of the public interest consists of people attempting to raise their status or profit financially. When the public peddles misinformation with reckless abandon, we all are not safe. As far as the public's desire to learn about access to court records, that educational effort cannot be by this officer educating each individual ad hoc whenever they choose to seek public information. These inquiries are inherently disruptive to the operations of the court as they are wholly outside the operations of the court. As a branch of the Supreme Court, any request for public information about this action should be directed to whomever is the public information coordinator for the courts in general. If there is not such a position, our state may need one. Defendant indicated at initial hearing an intention to hire private counsel. Defendant is reminded that he must retain counsel within 20 days of the initial hearing because there are deadlines for filing motions and raising defenses, and if those deadlines are missed, the legal issues and defenses that could have been raised will be waived or given up. If defendant is unable to retain counsel of his choosing due to financial indigency, Defendant is reminded he is entitled to court-appointed counsel and defendant will be examined upon request. The court notes for the public that when defendant appeared for the initial hearing, he was clad in protective gear. That protection was not to protect defendant from the court. That protection was to protect defendant from the public. Until a finding of guilt or judgment of conviction occurs, in any case, judgment must be reserved and the presumption of innocence must be respected and preserved. Accordingly, pursuant to Indiana Code 3533-111, the court orders the sheriff of Carroll County to transfer defendant to a facility of the Department of Correction designated by the commissioner of the department as suitable for the confinement of defendant and provided that space is available. So, so that was interesting. That was a lot. That was interesting. Basically, really, all he really needed to say was basically what was in that last paragraph transfer order approved yeah he he went he in there as you heard made a lot of colorful complaints about the bloodlust bloodlust the public seeking to profit from this case he suggests that you know the, the the defendant doesn't need to be protected from the court he needs to be protected by from the public uh so there's all sorts of interesting things in there yeah uh i thought it was totally Bizarre. I mean, just being candid here. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I got sent uh, a screenshot of something that someone wrote on uh, some Facebook group uh, that's devoted to this case. And I'm going to paraphrase it badly. But uh, this person said, 
I don't think the defendant needs to be on suicide watch. I think the judge needs to be on suicide watch. Yeah. And that, that was really, that comment was really typical of a lot of comments that people were making publicly after reading that order. And I think it's fair to say that uh, behind the scenes, there was also some concern. Yes. And we can tell you, we received a number of people either within or adjacent to the legal community in Carroll County uh, reached out to us yesterday. And basically the concern was that the judge, Judge Diener in this case, uh, being able to deal with the stress of a very high-profile case in this situation. There were concerns that maybe he wasn't the best judge for this, and they told us some some anecdotes about the judge that we found concerning. And so most of our time afternoon was spent on that. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. 
That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Uh, we're not going to go into those anecdotes now because then a little bit later in the day, there was another development. Judge Diener was taken off the case. Judge Diener uh, recused himself from the case and another judge was appointed. So I would just say from from the human perspective of this, you can tell that the judge is sort of uh, dealing with some of the alarm that comes with not only scrutiny from the media, getting requests that he feels his office can't necessarily handle, but also the public scrutiny. He talks about his family being identified on YouTube. And I think as people who have covered this case and have gotten our fair share of online scrutiny as well, uh, I, I think we can really understand and empathize with that. That's an alarming position to be in, especially if it's one that you're not really expecting. So from from a human empathetic side, I think we can definitely understand where some of this was coming from and understand that that sort of feeling of being overwhelmed and being maybe even dismayed by why is the public doing this? Why are they, why, why do they want this? Um, so I think I want to say that before we kind of talk about this. On the other hand, from just more of the professional side of things, I think um, putting this kind of language in a what's really just supposed to be a transfer document, basically transferring custody of this inmate, it, not the time, not really the place, uh, throwing a lot of stones about, at the public and, and media that feel a bit unnuanced. So I think while we can understand some of the emotion that seems to be underpinning this motion, I think we were both pretty alarmed when we saw this language because it just spoke to a level of feeling overwhelmed that you would not want a judge in a very high-profile case to feel. Absolutely. And I think he did the correct thing to recuse himself from this case. Yeah, I say that that was correct and that took humility, so... People who are overwhelmed and feeling overwhelmed if they can't do something important, stepping down, that's exactly what you should do. Exactly. The judge that was appointed to the case was Frances Gull. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, of Allen County. Of Allen County. She has been on the bench, I think, for close to 25 years. She has a lot of experience. Uh, she also has experience handling high-profile cases. Namely, uh, there was a murder case in Indianapolis a number of years ago uh, known as sort of the Richmond Hill explosion where basically insurance fraud gone wrong resulted in a number of deaths in the Richmond Hill neighborhood on the south side of Indy. And people were – it was actually a felony murder case because even if the intent had not been to kill other people in the neighborhood – by doing something so dangerous and reckless as setting up a house to explode, the perpetrators were essentially guilty of murder nonetheless because they should have realized that an explosion is so inherently dangerous that if you do something slightly wrong, you could get people killed. And, and they were obviously fine with that if they were willing to set it off, you know, anyways. Anya did not live in Indianapolis or in Indiana at the time of this trial. But I did, and I can tell you it was a very high-profile case within the state. It got a lot of attention, a lot of media attention, and the judge handled it quite well. So uh, we're very confident that this judge is going to do a fine job on this case. This is a judge who has the necessary experience to take on something as high-profile as Delphi. So I think 
given the nature of Judge Diener's order and given the nature of some of the emails that he sent to media sources, I think we're feeling a lot more confident now that someone else is coming. Although I will say I give credit to anybody who says I can't handle this. I need to step down. So, you know, that's that's good. That's the system working as it should. And so that means another judge is going to be handling the hearing that's coming up, I believe, on November 22nd. And this is the hearing that, as we all know, the probable cause affidavit detailing the case against Richard Allen, explaining why the police believe he is guilty of these murders. That document has been sealed. And there's going to be a hearing held on November 22nd to determine whether or not it will be unsealed. So one thing that we've noticed in the in the sort of narrative about the case that sort of spreads online and, you know, through media and through people talking is that there seems to be a perception amongst people that it's going to be all or nothing. It's either going to be um, the, the affidavit remains completely sealed and inaccessible to the public or it will be released in full and everyone will know everything. And we we think that it's probably unlikely that either I mean I think it would be slightly more likely that they would just keep it under seal. But I think it's very unlikely that the document is at risk to be released in full. I think that would be highly unlikely. I think what's likely to happen is that the document will be released but significant parts of that document will be redacted, meaning it will be hidden so that the public doesn't see the specific bits of information that the police believe could damage the investigation. And so what could damage an investigation or be problematic? Well, in cases like this, you know, witness names, you know, the participation of witnesses who may have helped bring about developments. We're not, to be clear, we're just talking. We're speculating. Off the top. We, we, don't, we don't know what's actually no, in the document. We have literally no idea. Um, or in, in this case, and this is something that I think police did allude to in public statements, the fact that it's active and ongoing, I think they do not necessarily want in, information out there that could harm their ability to continue investigating and continuing to really find out as much information as possible about what exactly happened to Abby and Libby. So, they don't want information out there that could make it harder for them to continue their information gathering uh, pursuits, I, I think, so to speak. And, you know, I think we're in a situation that's kind of odd because we are we we can kind of see both sides. We can see um, why people want information and want to be able to report on this very high profile case that's very important and we frankly believe that you know the media should be scrutinizing anything happening in a very high profile case that's the media's job it is the media's job to seek answers people who are you know harassing reporters for doing their jobs i i don't i don't think that's helpful necessary or good uh, th- this is this is what the media does they try to look into things and answer questions for the public that they're functioning as they should and to be clear No one in the media, no one in the media wants to do anything to damage this case. Yes, this this is not maliciousness. That being said, we can understand why police want to keep certain bits of information under wraps because we do believe that 
when Doug Carter got up there at the press conference, he did not say, all right, thanks, everybody. We're wrapping it up. He said, this is ongoing. This is current. We continue to need tips. We continue to need the public's help. We need information. And what we believe he was talking about was information on Richard Allen and who he was hanging out with, what he was doing. People need to be coming forward with this. And so with police saying that the investigation is in a place where there's there's sensitivity over things not getting released, we're more than happy to say, you know, that should be redacted. <laughs> Don't that shouldn't be public yet. If they're still in the process of running this down, this this will not be a secret forever. It will come out eventually. It will have to at trial. If there is a trial, if he doesn't plead guilty, I guess. One thing that's important to remember is that all public agencies deserve scrutiny. Yes. The police in our country have a lot of power. We give them a lot of trust. The investigators in this case are good people who have done good work. But that doesn't necessarily mean we have to take their word blindly. We can give them the benefit of the doubt. So when they went before the judge, when they arrested this man and said, we need to keep this document secret because it is really important. We have good reasons. The judge basically said, okay, I trust you. But you're going to have to come back in about a month and really explain your reasons to me and to the public. And then we will determine whether or not these reasons really are good or not. What this means is that if they really do have good reason why certain bits of information in this document would harm the investigation, the judge in this case is not going to allow that information to be released. There's nothing to worry about. It won't be released. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that, too, especially when you have a judge that is used to dealing with high profile cases and the media. They're not intimidated. They're not going to, I mean, it's not going to be like a news station calls and, oh, no, we got to, you know, they're, they're going to get mad at us. I mean, it's not, you know, but I think it's like a situation where you have to understand that everybody involved is doing their jobs. The media are doing their jobs by trying to shine a spotlight and find answers. The cops are doing their jobs by trying to say, well, maybe some things need to not be out at this point. And I, we're pretty confident that there's going to be a, if there's an accord reach, it's going to be it's going to involve heavy redactions and that it's not just going to be the affidavit is thrown out there to everyone and we all know everything and uh, the case is harmed in the, in the process. I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a, a petition going around now uh, calling for people to sign it, to call for the affidavit to not be released. And I think it's fine. I like it when people get involved and care and express their feelings. Mm -hmm. That's that's very important, and I encourage it. At the end of the day, I remember many years ago, I was sitting in a judge's chamber in a, a small southern Indiana town, and he was preparing to pass sentence on what was a high-profile case within that community, I would be shocked if anyone listening to this... It's not a murder. It's not a murder. I would be shocked if anyone listening to this would be familiar with the case. But it was a high-profile case within the community. And he had gotten a sheaf of letters. It was an organized campaign to send him letters 
saying this person needs to be given the strongest sentence possible. And I remember he kind of shook these letters in front of me and he said, I'm almost insulted that people would think my mind would be changed based on this. Basically, yeah, a courtroom is not a democracy. It's a kingdom run by the judge. And the judge is supposed to make his decisions based on his or her interpretation of the law. We wouldn't want a judge to say, well, I think this person is innocent, but I'm going to convict him because that's what the people want. No. Or vice versa. Yeah. People become judges because we trust their judgment and their analysis and their thinking process. So I have a lot of confidence in this judge. Yeah. And it's just to say, it's not to say that people shouldn't be speaking out on their opinion of what should happen. It's just to say that if people are expecting that to weigh on the judge, and then I think other people are wondering, well, if if people are doing petitions like this, is it going to hurt, you know, the cause or something? It's like, it just, it, 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 it's going to occur completely outside the realm of what's actually going to happen in the courtroom. It's I'm I'm sure within the courtroom, uh, the family or somebody may mention there is this petition that's gotten. Yeah. I I think uh, I saw Becky Patty indicated she hopes that the petition gets 30,000 signatures. Right. And if she wants to present that in court. Yeah. Saying that I have people who agree with me and say and want and would also like this. It's certainly that's a time to bring it up, but I think it's going to come down to more of the judge's interpretation of the law and what is reasonable here. What we heard from Professor Joseph Hoffman in a previous episode is that the judge and the cops were in their rights to keep this totally sealed. Like, that was fine. It's very unusual, though. Very unusual, but within the code of the law, they're they're fine. And it's just going to be a matter of kind of figuring out what the balance is here between the public's right to know and the sanctity of the case. And I think it's probably, there's probably going to be a lot of caution given how high profile this is. There's going to be caution with the case. I don't think there's going to be like (laughs) any, any decisions made here that are willy nilly, at least I would think. and, And let's be honest. If the judge makes a mistake and chooses to release too little information, that's something that can be corrected yes, later. Exactly. But if the judge chooses to make a mistake and releases too much information, that can't be corrected later. It yeah. cannot be. Yeah, it can't be undone. Because once information is out, it's out. Yeah, it can't be and undone. And the judge knows that. And I, I think one thing everyone listening to this, I think, would agree with. I think the family believes this. I don't, I don't usually speak for the family because that's not my right or my privilege. But uh, I believe everybody wants this case to be prosecuted successfully. None of us want anything to happen to jeopardize the case. Not reporters, not the judge, not the police. And so if any information is released as a result of this hearing, I am confident it would not be anything that would damage the case. Yes, I I completely agree with that. And I think it's a matter of just kind of finding whatever balance there is. And I think that's why we're taking kind of the the position of like we we think that they should hold back information that they think would harm the investigation. That's that's fine. <laughs> like that that's why you hold back information. You know, you don't we've been critical in the past as you know if you listen to the show, we've been critical in the past about withholding information to the public that we feel could be helpful. But in in the, you know, we've always said that in some cases you have to. 
And this sounds to us like a situation where they would have to hold certain things back and we would we would encourage that. But we also don't think people should be vilifying the media. Reporters are not the enemy here. And also reporters are certainly not, you know, there's this kind of, um, you know, I think interesting wrinkle here where people are sort of wondering like, well, it is, it is reporting on the case. Is that in and of itself or talking about the case? Is that a problem at this point? And I think Doug Carter probably answered that best in, in the uh, press conference recently. And we can read, Kevin will read from the transcript, I think. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The superintendent said, I am proud to report to you that today, actually last Friday, was the day. And an arrest had been made thanks to literally hundreds of media outlets that have been steadfast in reporting and keeping the memories of Abby and Libby front and center. And then he continues. Please continue offering tips that you would like to share. The many avenues to report will remain open and will be available to all. Please continue doing that. Okay, so yeah, I mean, he he's pretty emphatic that things are not over. And one way that we believe that the public can continue to help police in this case is by calling in tips on Richard Allen and sharing what you know about him. Now is not the time to wonder, well, maybe maybe what I have is irrelevant. You know, go forward with that if you have something on Richard Allen. And what the media can do is to continue to keep the memories of Abby and Libby front and center. This is not a time to stop talking about the case. It's a time to keep the conversation going and to keep it focused. Right now, what the state police want and need is more information about Richard Allen. And somewhere out there, there are people who have tips and information that needs to be shared with the state police. Well said, Kevin. And I would say, in addition to that, um, yeah, what we need right now is not silence, but it is thoughtfulness. Because I will say, there has been so much speculation about this case over the years, which is, I don't think, ill-intentioned. I think people want to 
help and they want to solve and they want to talk about it and and work things out. But right now, the person that is believed to be Bridge Guy is in custody. We have a name. He has lived for 50 years on this planet and he's had interactions with people. And now's the time for us to talk about that. Look at those interactions, scrutinize what he was doing and bring that forward to police so that they can conduct their thorough investigation, which is active and ongoing and needs your help. So we are very, (laughs) we're trying to be very forceful that the conversation should keep going and it should be focused. It should be thoughtful and it should be empathetic with the citizens of Delphi in particular. I think there's been a lot of um, kind of chatter online or, you know, how didn't they know it was him? You know, how could no one have seen him since he was so public at the local CVS? I mean, let's just let's just remember for a minute. We had we had a very blurry video and some sketches to go on. Okay? That's not a clear, crisp photograph of the guy. It's it's um subjective drawings that were certainly released with the best intentions, but frankly could somewhat look like a lot of people. And there's two of them adding to the confusion. So I think the idea that people ought to have recognized him or people should have known, I I don't when you when you kind of pass by people who kind of look like the sketch all the time or know people who might have a similar kind of voice, I mean, and there's a, a number of people who kind of match that description. Ultimately, I, I I don't think it's a healthy community where everybody is immediately suspecting someone just because they have a beard or, you know, a, fit a vague description. I mean, it, I, I don't think we should be – now is not the time to be really critical of, of people in Delphi. I think now is the time to tr- sort of try to uplift them and, and continue to help them fill in the blanks about this guy and, and bring information forward. I guess that's what I'm just going to say. <laughs> so we were able to speak with – Lindsay, who is from Delphi, and she told us about some of her brief interactions with Rick Allen at the CVS. And she's doing so for a very specific purpose, to encourage others within Delphi to step forward. And if they had even minor interactions with this guy, talk about them and and share share that with people who are, are looking for answers about this guy. Could be important. I was listening to the podcast. And I've listened, you know, I've been reading the news and following this. And the astounding thing to me is how much scrutiny is coming down on us as Delphi citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this man did help my daughter and I out a couple weeks ago at CVS. And I have been around him. That's where I get my prescriptions filled. Um, but to have scrutiny directly at us as citizens, because it's the whole it's been repeated numerous times. How did they not know? How did you not know? You know, this man, from a psychological perspective, my brain immediately goes to, why would you think it's the guy that is out in plain sight and has no qualm about standing next to his, well, the sketch that was, you know, multiple sketches have been released, but you know, why, why in the world would you think it was him? Um, the man who was very kind and always helpful um, he, you know, he was always just like an aisle away. He was paying attention to people who needed help, and he was always pleasant. And I, there was no creep factor from him whatsoever. So I think on top of the scrutiny, and I think from the nation, but then also the feeling of why did I not know? 
you know, I should have known. We as a community should have known because he was in the public view, in the public eye. So I think there's a lot of reasons why people are kind of hesitant to come forward. Um, but I also think that it's very important for people who had a relationship or had interactions with him to come forward because because he did come across so kind, because he did come across so helpful. Um, police and law enforcement need the full picture of this man. And so it's, it's difficult. It's heavy. That's the, Like I said, that's the only way I know how to describe it as heavy. You know, I hope that people do come forward and give any kind of information they have because you're not you're not at fault and you're not assumed to have any kind of part in favoritism toward Rick Allen if you had a positive interaction with him. Like that's that's ridiculous. Yes, it may have, and and, and you might have something that could be important. Like if he ever discussed, sure. like you know, his hobbies or people he was hanging out with, just in a casual, friendly sure. way, like people so many, you know, so often do. Now that we know that he is believed to be the killer you know, or, or at least involved in this crime, we, we need to be coming forward with that to law sure. enforcement to help them, you know, secure justice for Abby and Libby. Yeah. Gosh. Yep. I just hope that as a community, nobody's taking to heart the scrutiny that is coming along with us should have known and you should have known and seen it. And I just, it just, it's that outside effect. I think that has, the, it's a blessing and a curse both. So I, I have a question. Do you think that, um, do you think that since the murders, some of the online scrutiny that's come down on Delphi and Carroll County has been um, something that, you know, people are like increasingly feeling in the community right now, I guess, like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yes. I think there's, I think there's the guilt effect of not knowing. Um, and it's really eerie listening to Doug Carter's, um, I think it was when the second the second sketch came out and he was saying like how is your family going to feel when they find out what you've done and you know we, we really we believe you're you know living and operating in plain sight and that's I mean it was very eerie you know coming to know what we know now and then that speech a couple of years ago um so yeah I think I think that maybe there are some people that are beating themselves up for not knowing and um, and as far as like his family and his wife or what, I'm not even going to go there because who knows. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as like those that maybe worked with him or did know him on a personal level, um, and even those like myself who interacted occasionally with him at the pharmacy. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's, I think it's doing damage. I think it's preventing people from coming forward and saying things maybe. Yeah. And, and this is the time that, you know, silence is not going to be be a great outcome for the case it's it's if people have that information they have to i mean in, law enforcement is asking for it directly it's not just us speculating that they want it we, we know they want it because they told us all that at the press conference sure. and sure. We, we really appreciate you kind of stepping forward and, and and kind of doing that just maybe it will inspire others it's not it's not it's not delphi's fault it's not carroll county's fault that people didn't identify this man from a very vague sketch that resembles a lot of people right. and it's also Right now, we should not be trying to tear Delphi down or ta- tear Carroll County down. This is a time where this community... Yeah, like we're, we're, we're feeling enough. I yes. can promise you that. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is a time where we can uplift this community and, and you know, keep you guys in our thoughts and and be encouraging instead of accusatory. Because sure. I think that's just... That, that needs to be... There needs to be some level of understanding here that this could happen in any community and people need support right now. Yeah, and I think because it is such a it's a, such a rare case, and it's so crazy. Um, I, I, that's another reason I ask for 
you know, people to step back and think themselves that they've never had to do this in the community. And, you know, especially God forbid, you know, the families and what they're going through. Um, but just having like it, having this guy right in front of us the entire time is not something that's swallowed easily. So outsiders and stuff just need to think they're lucky stars that they've never had that thrown back at them, I guess. Absolutely. I think some empathy would go a long way here for people who are being critical. You know, maybe what if this was your community? What if this was your CVS? And not just people in Delphi. This man previously lived in Mexico, Indiana. He previously lived in Greenwood, Indiana. He previously lived in Peru, Indiana. If you knew him in any of those locations or anywhere else he may have been, please share your information. You can't just assume that what you have to say is irrelevant because you don't know exactly what police are looking for. And you won't know until you bring the information to them and they ask you some follow-up questions. So now is not the time to sit on anything. Now is the time to tip it. So let's continue Let's continue to be have thoughtful conversations about this case. Let's continue to keep Libby and Abby in our thoughts. And uh, we will continue to report on this, this uh, case going forward. And we will fill you in what we're able to fill you in on. Um, there'll probably be some things that we uncover that maybe we decide not to report for now because we might feel it gets harmful to the case. There might be other things that we do report. Uh, but rest assured that based on our... Uh, you know, I'll I'll drop the link to our Declaration of Principles in the in the show notes for today's episode, so you can understand our process going forward and the sort of things we'll be taking into account as we continue to report on an active and ongoing case. But thank you all so much for listening. Thanks very much to Lindsay for speaking with us. Thanks so much for listening to the Murder Sheet. If you have a tip concerning one of the cases we cover please email us at murdersheet at gmail.com. If you have actionable information about an unsolved crime, please report it to the appropriate authorities. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, that's available at www.patreon.com slash murdersheet. If you want to tip us a bit of money for records requests, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murdersheet. We very much appreciate any support. Special thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for the murder sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. If you're looking to talk with other listeners about a case we've covered, you can join the Murder Sheet Discussion Group on Facebook. We mostly focus our time on research and reporting, so we're not on social media much. We do try to check our email account, but we ask for patience as we often receive a lot of messages. Thanks again for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. 
New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.